I like uh, hanging out at Cafe Enigma right around the corner. They give us, uh, they hook us up with some coffee and whatnot. And uh, we are, and so here's a little story from about six months ago. I, I'm studying uh, for this misunderstood uh, series in Cafe Enigma. I do that on Wednesdays and Thursdays. I prepare for a sermon uh, a handful of months out uh, so that we are ready to go. And I'm sitting there, I'm studying, and uh, looking at God, the role of women in the Bible, and how, in this specific, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today, I'm looking at how, how Jesus uh, handled women in ministry, how, did he include them, did he keep them at arm's length, like, what did Jesus do with ministry, uh, and with women in ministry, and I'm looking at all of this, and, 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 and so, in, at Cafe Enigma, I like to sit in the back of the restaurant, uh, because, you know, you all, as a, like, I always have to be ready for a fight, uh, and so I never have my back to the, to the door. I'm always, I'm always in the back looking in case a gang or the mob, somebody's coming after me. I, 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 it's just it's ingrained in me, I guess, from New Hampshire because we have all those types of issues. And, uh, and so I sit in the back, and, and I notice a guy and, and his posse, two other individuals, come in. And uh, it was summertime, and, and he walks in in board shorts and no shirt on. And I'm like, okay, a little weird to come into a coffee shop rolling like that, but okay. And, uh, and, he, and he walks in and he, he, he stops. And he looks over to the side room. And uh, he, he stops, he stares for a little bit. Then he, then he nudges the, you know, the guys that he's with and whatnot. Uh, because sitting there in that room was a group of Wellspring women. <laughs> And uh, they were having a Bible study. <laughs> they were looking at life group questions. They were studying from the sermon the week before. And here I am looking at what Jesus says about women and how he includes women. And here's a man that's looking at the Wellspring women and objectifying them, saying wicked, inappropriate comments about them. And then, sadly, I noticed as he walked by, he had a really sweet Christian tattoo. Uh, he was a walking billboard for Christianity, if you will, and I... And I sat there angry, sad, all sorts of things because if, if he was going to get women to join him in mission, he's going to get women to join him in the mission of his self-satisfaction, his own self-pleasure. If you want to join this individual's mission, that's how, if you're a woman, that's how you can join his mission. Build up my ego. Build up the mission for my self-satisfaction. And as I, as I sat and I reminisced on that story this week, I thought, haven't we at times done that as a church where the mission might be good? Go out into the community, but there are times where we in our culture have invited women into the mission of the church when it fits us. When it's for my own benefit, I'll serve here. Men will do this, and we'll invite women in when it's, when it's for our own good or something that we just simply don't want to do. And I looked at that and said, no, a mission that is for everyone is now delivered by everyone, that we all have a role to play. And I think that's what Jesus is doing in the pages of Scripture. So we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 8 today, only three verses. It says, it starts by saying, soon afterward. Now, if you were following along in Luke, we'll, we'll get back to Luke in the coming weeks. We'll do a series going through Luke. Here's what happens right before we look at this, these few little verses. Jesus was at a dinner party with a bunch of religious men, a bunch of dudes, and they don't give him any sort of respect. But a woman comes in with a past, with some baggage, with cultural stigmas flowing around her and through her. And she's, she's, this is where Jesus would say, love those that, are for, those that are forgiven much, love much. 
And because she knows that she's been forgiven so much, and she shows, shows Jesus all sorts of respect, crying, washing his feet, all sorts of things. If you're reading in the Gospel of Luke, you would know Luke is making a point about the role of women and how counterintuitive it is to the society that Jesus finds him in, them in. And so here it is, soon after that event, that dinner party, he went through the cities and the villages proclaiming proclaiming and, and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. That's the first verse. So Jesus is rolling around the countryside. He's going from, from cities and villages. Jesus didn't care. As long as there were people there, it didn't matter if it was a big old city or a little old village. Jesus was there proclaiming something. Good news of what? The kingdom of God. Why? Why is that good news? Because the kingdom of God is not possible for you and I without Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is proclaiming this message. You can't get, you can't enter into the kingdom of God by yourself. Your sin has disqualified you. But I'm going to preach a message where only I am able and powerful enough to forgive you of your sin. And therefore, you have entry into the kingdom of God. His message is hope for mankind, hope for womankind, hope for humankind. His message is hope for all to come and to know him, to grasp this message. And he, and he uses 12 men to help share this message. It's a powerful and it's a beautiful thing. However, though, notice the punctuation. It's a comma. It ain't a period. So many, so many men throughout the ages have, have pulled scriptures out of context and treated this like a period. You, you want to proclaim a message that is for men, women, children. It's, you want to proclaim a message for all people. Well, let's treat this like a period and only men can share the gospel. Only men can have a role in sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. No, there's a comma because this is going to go in a vastly different direction. But pious, heinous men have taken this completely out of context. And I've, I've seen it. I've seen the social media trolls either on our social media or on other social media saying, uh, commenting, replying. You know how on Facebook you can, you can like or you can reply to a specific comment? Replying to a specific comment saying, you should know your role and you're not allowed to talk in public to a woman. What? Go fly a kite. <laughs> Say that to my wife and you're going to get cut. <laughs> but maybe that's the culture that is created in some churches where I've had women ask me, Jason, are you really okay if I pray out loud in public? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm good if you pray as a woman out loud in public. Of course I'm okay. I, I've known, of, I've known of, of a worship leader that led worship in her church for the very first time. And you know what happened on Monday morning? The worship pastor had three meetings with individuals that said uh, that, that this should never happen. This woman should never lead worship in the church again. One went as far as to say, I will never play on the band on a Sunday morning if a woman is leading worship. What? Why? I don't see that in the passage that we're looking at. And I'm thankful that that right now, for many of us, that this is the only church culture that you've ever experienced. 
I'm thankful that for many of you, this is a foreign concept. But in the culture that Jesus is, is building the church in, the, the culture that, that he found himself in, women had a, had, had a secondary role. And so it speaks that Jesus is very counterculture where he's going to go with this. And he doesn't care about what culture is saying because here's, here's what happens now after the comma. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and, and, and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven, count them seven, seven demons had gone out. Jesus is a rabbi. He, he wants to build an audience. He wants to build a crowd. And if you're a rabbi in that day, part of your worth is who's traveling with you. Is it a big old group? And, and who's traveling with you says a lot about the rabbi. And so rabbis in that day and age where women are just kind of above a slave, rabbis would never, never travel with a woman. That would make the rabbi look bad. But here Jesus is traveling with women because he doesn't care about appearance. He grew up in a culture. He's, he's existing in a culture. The gospel is being proclaimed in a culture that defines excellence merely by appearance. That's never how God has purely defined excellence, only by your appearance. No, what does God look at? The heart of an individual. God sees things entirely different than culture sees things. His ministry scales the gender and the, uh, the gender scale. It's bigger than that. It is for all people. And so women, from the very beginning of his ministry, play a vital role in building up the ministry of the gospel and the proclamation of the church. Why? Because if we believe in Jesus Christ, and if he is truly for everybody, then he's for all humans, and that includes men and women. And if we're going to share a message that is for everybody, Shouldn't everybody have a role in sharing said message? Now, 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 now Luke brings out that Mary Magdalene is part of this. Y'all catch what, what was said about Mary Magdalene? She had seven old demons up inside of her. At one point, that girl is crazy, like legit crazy. She has some demons up inside of her. But they got cast out, and so now she's good. She has been healed. She has found new life. She's no longer cray-cray. Like, now she is sane, and now she's rolling with Jesus. She's rocking around with Jesus. She's in, in the traveling the traveling companionship. She, she's among those. But, but if you're looking at her from the outside, she has a stigma. She has baggage. You, the culture would look at her and keep her at an arm's length because I don't want to be associated with somebody that at some point was legitimately insane and a little crazy, what does that now say about me? She's now moving forward, having been healed, having found new life in Jesus, but fighting the stigma of what people would assume and think of her. But Jesus includes her because he doesn't care. He knows that new life has been found in her, that she's following Jesus, and then she, she's taken hold of the message. And, and I want to introduce you to a lady named Christy. And I interviewed her this past week, and, and the video's a little bit longer. I'll, I'll give you that. But, but he, here's why I wanted to give Christy the floor. 
Because she fights certain stigmas that in some circles she's not allowed. Like, like, like some circles would keep her at an arm's length. And I never want that to be us in our church. Uh, I, I know that she loves Jesus Christ and I want her to have a role in this place as she fights whatever culture says as a stigma. May that not be true here. And so I gave her the floor. Check out what she had to say. All right, so, All we, right, so we, we are in the middle of the sermon. Uh, this is being played in the middle of the sermon. This is my friend Christy, and we've gotten to know each other well over the really last few years. And uh, we're, we're not doing this live because you are currently in Connecticut right. visiting a boyfriend. And the boyfriend's in Connecticut, so I'm assuming, and I know, that he's a Patriots fan. Yes. Um, so you're becoming a Patriots fan. Um, and trying. Because <laughs> <laughs> we just won the Super Bowl. Uh, That's I, true. I'm able to work that into anything. I, uh, I, so, I get it. Uh, so, we, uh, so I called Christy and asked uh, permission and then set this all up uh, with Graham and whatnot uh, because I just felt like there's parts of your story that can just relate so well mm -hmm. to, this, uh, to this sermon. And so um, the first question, I gave you this ahead of time, uh, what, what cultural stigmas are you fighting in your life? So there's a couple, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I think just... One, being a single parent, divorced mm -hmm. um, single parent, and then having a child with special needs. Um, as you know, mm -hmm. Matthew, who is eight years old, is my first son. Mm -hmm. He is on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, that in itself comes yeah. with a lot of stigmas. Um, I think being a divorced person in general has yeah. its hangups, if you will, even in this day and age where that's a very common yeah, place yeah, thing. Yeah. I think there's still a stigma within the church about it, yeah. um, especially you with know, autism. It in the church. In the yeah. church, okay. absolutely. And yeah. then also um, with the autism, that's almost a given. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we encounter it probably every day okay. um, where there's, you know, a, an awkward look yeah. or someone makes a comment or, you know, and, and so those things are unavoidable, unfortunately, yeah. as people, I think, grow in, you know, in knowledge and acceptance, it becomes a little bit different. But okay. Those stigmas are always um, a challenge, yeah. if you will. And I imagine too, with your son, it's hard not to take that personally. Oh, you don't—you totally take yeah. it personally. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's—it's it's unfortunate, but you know, yeah, he's your little boy, so mm -hmm. of course you're going to try to protect him. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and you know, try to shelter him. And I'm a pushy mom, if you will, so yeah. I don't—I don't think he even knows what the word is. Okay. Um, so okay. I've never even explained it to him. Okay. I've pushed him since he's been diagnosed. So uh, we have, I've been doing therapy with him for eight, almost eight years, oh, almost okay. the full time since okay. he's been born. So there's been um, a lot of push, I know, mm -hmm. from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And and I don't really let him get away with much, just, be, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because, yeah. you know, he's got a diagnosis, if you yeah. will. Yeah, okay, okay. So then how has the church, we mentioned this, how has the church, the Bible, your relationship with Jesus, helped you fight through these stigmas and to see them as lies? So I think two things. I think, you know, I mean, I've been a Christian since I've uh, been an early teenager. And so I've always relied on a couple of scriptures that I mm -hmm. knew um, that God always placed on my heart about us being complete in him, mm -hmm. in Colossians, <laughs> and about how we are accepted in the beloved. And he makes no mistakes. So I've always seen that everything that I've done, whether they've been failures in marriage or whether they've been you know, bad decisions in life, whatever the case was, that God always had a plan. Hmm. And his plan is always perfect. And he will work 
all those things for his good. Okay. Um, and he will get glory out of them. Okay. So with Matthew, uh, I mean specifically, yeah. um, he makes no mistakes. Yeah. And he made Matthew beautiful. Yeah. And he yeah. teaches me every day <laughs> something amazing. Yes. Um, and I see so much passion in him mm-hmm. that it's um, it's really it, it's heartwarming to me as a parent. So the other day, I'll give you the greatest story ever. Uh, Sunday, he was here. Yeah came home, was in the shower, and was singing a praise song from worship mm-hmm. that Sunday. And I, you know, uh, bawling, you know, yeah. I'm going, wow, yeah. Matt, where did you hear that? Oh, yeah, we were singing that in church. And mm-hmm. Carly, you would have been very, yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, might want yeah. him at some yeah. point for yeah. your worship team. Um, but yeah. yeah, I was very, uh, I'm moved. I'm yeah. moved by that. Yeah. Um, and if you ever see Matthew and talk to him, um, and really kind of get past some of the, mm-hmm. you know, eye contact things, mm-hmm. you'll say, hey, Matthew, if you ask him, Matthew, let's pray. Matthew will pray with you. Um, Matthew will sing with you. Yeah, he yeah. will um, He will answer you. He will do yeah. all those things. And I know that God has such a purpose for yeah. him in his life. He's yeah. a sweet, sweet spirit. And I know that, um, you know, God, again, doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's okay. a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Well, yeah it, it's a beautiful thing to see. Cool. When we didn't prep, like we, I didn't hear any of these answers mm-hmm. uh, ahead of time. So this is, uh, this is, this is, this is cool. Uh, so part of the series that we're doing is um, you are a woman, you are involved in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how, uh, how, you have a huge impact. We've talked about your mission and your impact on the mm-hmm. church in various different ways. Uh, so how is God using you to impact his kingdom? Uh, and then subsequently, how does that in turn impact you? So, um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I think um, I've, I'm a very successful businesswoman. Okay. And um, God has helped me in that regard. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, I, I don't take any credit for it. I'm mm-hmm. not, uh, I don't, you know, there's, I, there's a very uh, much a humbleness about it okay. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that God only uses it as a, as a uh, resource mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. to give back to his kingdom. Yeah, cool. um, and so I think I mentioned this to you about a year and a half ago. Um, God had really put upon my heart that we are not cisterns. And I know you and I, maybe knowing the Bible, know what that means. It holds water. It's something that doesn't leak. Mm -hmm. He said, you're a funnel. It's supposed to go through you. So those, whatever God blesses me with should be given, right? And that we are not to hold on to things. And so in turn, um, you know, the story in Luke, there was so much in Luke 8 that you're talking about Mm -hmm. today, but that was chock full of yeah. stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. in that in that particular chapter. But specifically, there was women, I think, who mm-hmm. were um, who were supporting Jesus mm-hmm. financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of them in particular, when I did some homework yeah. after you had talked to me yesterday, yeah. that woman was the wife of a steward yeah. of King Herod, yeah. who would have had a very big role in the in the government if you mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. so here she is following jesus around yeah. and what stigma she must have had right knowing that her husband worked for Herod, yeah, yeah. and that she probably had to like why are you you know following around this jewish you know yeah, yeah, yeah. The jews yeah. if you will um so she probably had a lot of that going on too i think ultimately for me when we talked about a year ago i had said to you you know because of the constraints of being a single mom and having a really you know really massive career that I'm always running around and doing things. I have very limited time and resources. And so the resources that I do have Mm -hmm. 
I'm putting back into the church. Yep. Um, yep. And that is my way to help fund, if you yeah, will, yeah. Um, you know, the gospel. Yeah. Um, one of the verses that I love, um, it's probably a verse that I have lived by, yeah. is 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Um, and it's about having an all sufficiency in all good things that you can partner in every good work. Yeah. And, you know, this is good work. Right. Yeah, so yeah, what's yeah. happening here at Wellspring, what's yeah. happening in Tom's River, mm -hmm. the things that we're planting, yeah. those those funds that that, you know, those monies I'm planting, I'm yeah. giving them here. Yeah. Those are seeds that are growing. I may never get to see the fruit of all of that, yeah. but I will know that, you know what? I was a partner. Yeah, God allowed yeah, me yeah. to be a partner in those yeah, things. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, God is really opening up other doors. So yeah, because it doesn't he, end at money, right? It doesn't end at that, that's right? That's what we said. No, yeah. it never yeah. ended it there. Yeah. And so yeah. a few months, I guess, after you and I had a conversation, we wound up having, um, oh, that's my cell phone. <laughs> Work cell phone. It's like Sorry it's in church. That. It's like a church. <laughs> um, I started to yeah. volunteer yeah. Um, as an aisle host. Yeah. And I had done all of that many times. Um, before in previous churches and yep. so forth. And so I always loved doing that. I always, yeah. you know, felt very welcoming. I'm Italian and, you know, Puerto Rican. And so we're very <laughs> hospitable and all of that. So, you know, we're always smiling and yeah. talking to people. Um, and so it was a great place for me to start. Um, yeah. And yeah. it has opened up, yeah. you know, just it's, it's, it's wonderful to cool. see greeting the people who are coming in, blessing them, praying for them, hugging them, telling them to have a blessed week. You know how you know is how can I help you? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a whole different level, yeah. and God's not done. He's not, you know, yeah. he's not done. So yeah. there's more to come, other things to do. Yeah. Um, you so know, and I'm looking forward to that. Would you say it's impacting you in that you're seeing firsthand that this is bigger than yourself? Everything about Wellspring okay. is bigger than us. Okay. I feel cool. like there isn't anything about this that has anybody's name on it except God. <laughs> and I think that you know anybody who we've impacted. Um, you know, you read that there was a letter that you read last mm -hmm. week in church about a woman who had a, a child who was in need, yeah. getting the chop, needing the gas, yeah. needing yeah. the money, um, you know, to kind of, you know, that if it's one person, that's all yeah, that matters. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and then yeah. so we, we know we do this, but it's not, it's not about us. I think yeah. everything about what we're doing here is about Jesus and we're, we're generous mm -hmm. and we're all inclusive and yeah, we yeah. love, and that's what our mission is. Right. Cool. Cool. Awesome. So I think the best way to end this is for you to tell Glenn, go Patriots. Is that Glenn, go Patriots, go Bruins. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I can work. Uh, yeah. I can work my New England sports into anything. And, uh, and I need to learn how to laugh. Uh, I don't laugh. Uh, that, that's a loud. That's a weird thing watching that. Uh, <laughs> are we a place where men and women alike with a past? can come and find healing. She didn't, she didn't start serving right away. She took a season of, of being here, sitting here, and this was a place of healing for her. How do we handle pasts? Do we keep people at arm's length because of their past, or do we allow them that, that, that space to heal, but then we don't want them to stay in their past, but now we, we encourage them forward it, it, by, by get involved in the mission, be part of the mission, because your past doesn't define you. Jesus Christ defines you. And Jesus Christ wants, not only are you the mission, you're part of the mission. And so get, get involved. How, uh, as, as we are a church, how do we handle people uh, with, with any sort 
of a past. Here's, here's that, Christy felt, fought that stigma. Here's, here's another stigma, though, that, that, that Luke brings to light. And Joanna, the wife of, of Scherza, household of uh, Herod's household manager. Now, now, this is part of the palace in that day. So Jesus' message of proclaiming the gospel has now reached the palace. And, and Susanna and many others who were provided, who provided for them out of their means. So here is Joanna, who is, who is part of somebody. Her husband is a big deal working for, for, the, for the emperor in that, in that area, doing something incredible, managing his household. Herod and Jesus are in stark contrast to one another. They're very different people, very different leaders, but G- Joanna comes to know Jesus, wants to follow Jesus, and, and how that might impact her husband, she doesn't really care because Jesus is of such worth. And perhaps, perhaps this is why Herod, when, when Jesus is going to the cross, had such an interest on Jesus because he was intrigued by Jesus. But maybe she, maybe Joanna fought the stigma. Well, you're just spending your husband's money. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? <laughs> Some of us deal with that. What if her husband lost her job because of Jesus? But are you and I willing to say, it, it doesn't matter you can, I can lose my job to follow Jesus. He's worth it all. I will follow him to the end. Are, are we, are, is our life so changed by, by the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're willing to invest into the ministry of Jesus Christ? Uh, I had a phone call about three months into our life as a church. Uh, 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 somebody called me up and, and said, Jason, you need to start moving your ministry to appease older people because they're going to fund your church. Make your ministry only about older people because they will fund your church. She never gave a dime to our ministry, but she had the guts to say that to me. <laughs> you know what? No, it was true at that time. It was a woman who was 29 years old, a woman 29 years old was our largest giver at that time. Women, a woman, had an impact on our ministry. If I want to gear our ministry towards anybody, it's just going to be human beings. <laughs> because human beings can, can experience life change. Men and women. Men and women can, can fight stigmas of society. And when God changes a life... <laughs> A natural result is that we will want to be generous and impact the ministry of the gospel. We value generosity here, that, that we will be generous with our time, our gifts, our money. Why? Because God has been so generous to us. Generosity is both for men and for women in the community, in the economy of Jesus Christ. God doesn't invite us in to be spectators. God invites us to be part of it, both in our, in our finances and, and in just in serving. Jesus invited these women not just to give, but to travel. Travel alongside of him, playing a role in the ministry. And that is true for both you and I. An all-inclusive, the big thought for us this morning, an all-inclusive gospel message demands an all-inclusive gospel approach. That this is not, this is not a message for men and women, but only done by men. This is a message for all people, men and women alike. Ages doesn't matter. It is for all of us, and we all take part in it. When, when Jesus goes to the cross, he dies. He rises again. He's, he's, he's now out of the tomb. Who is the first one to hear of the resurrected Savior? Who is the first one that is trusted to tell others about the resurrected Savior? It is a woman who had seven demons in her. It was Mary Magdalene where so many people 
thought she was crazy, but Jesus trusts her with the message where, where she's going to say, hey, there's a risen Savior. Well, Mary, you're just going crazy again. No, this is truth. Jesus involves her in the mission. What happens when Jesus ascends up into heaven? There's a group of men and women praying, specifically men and women praying, and the Holy Spirit comes down. Our mission is that we ignite, that we, want, we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. Not our older community, not our younger community, not the male community, not the female community. We exist to ignite a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving all of our community. And that involves both men and women to do this. Let me tell you, let me close by telling you about Kelsey. Kelsey is, is now a senior in high school. Her and I are so different. She's a valedictorian. I never even knew what that word meant until way later out of high school. She's a valedictorian at Central High School. That is incredible. And you know what else is incredible? Since her junior year of high school, she has been a key leader in our aisle host ministry. You know what that means? Sometimes before service, we had her lead communion with men, older men and women alike, ushering communion, taking the bread, taking the juice together. In some churches, women aren't allowed to do that. But here, we have a high school girl leading communion for men and women of our aisle host team. You know when I look at Kelsey? When my daughter grows up, I want her. She's not allowed to grow up. She's going to stay three forever. But if, I ever, if she ever grows up, I want her to be like Kelsey. Because she embodies what it means to be a woman after God's own heart. She embodies what it's like to be a woman on fire for Jesus Christ, being involved in the ministry of the church. And Kelsey's now a valedictorian. Kelsey, when you watch this or when you hear this, God has given you a platform where you're going to speak to a few thousand people. I've talked to your mom. She is glowing with excitement over you and your sisters. God didn't give you that platform for nothing. Will you proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ when you give that speech in a few months to your graduating class? Will you make it about Jesus Christ? <laughs> because you can and you ought to. I want my daughter to be a whole lot more like Kelsey. Here's my challenge for you. Don't lose this. Protect this. Because when my daughter comes back in a few years, you know what? I want her to come back to a culture that says my daughter still has a role to play in the proclamation of the gospel. When I say don't lose that, I say that because for some of us, what I've been saying about other churches, you don't experience that here because I hope that this culture is different. I hope that this is culture is a place where women have a role just like men in the proclamation of, of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. If there is a need within our church, it's not for more women to step up and get involved it's for more men. Men, look at the example of the women around you. Follow their example and get involved. And that leads me to my second challenge for us today. Take a seat at the table. All of us, young and old, high school, junior high, whatever it might be, men and women alike, we all have a role in the proclamation of the gospel. Your past doesn't define you. Jesus does. What culture will say defines you doesn't. It is Jesus. And so an all-inclusive gospel message demands an all-inclusive gospel approach. We exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. Will you join us? Jesus is truly for everyone. Jesus is truly everything.
and he involves everyone in the mission. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.